Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to talk about a writer who really I find fascinating, interesting, engaging, and that's Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell is an he, he is a, a powerhouse in many ways, and I use that term on the podcast when it comes to ideas, when it comes to long-form articles, books, podcasts now. He has a really interesting podcast called Revisionist History. Well, Gladwell, is he's important. There's no doubt about that. But what I want to do in this podcast is engage with Gladwell in a little bit more of a critical way. How should we engage with Gladwell? Should we look at him as this source of truth or as I look at it, more of a person who allows us to think about subjects. That doesn't mean we should be believing what he says. And I do find a lot of exaggeration in his claims, but that doesn't mean we should just completely tune him out. So I know there's a big debate about Gladwell. Some love him, some despise the work because they see it as an exaggeration of scientific claims and even a manipulation. I'm going to bring a perspective based on an article because I was looking for articles that engage with Gladwell in a critical way. And I found one from 2013, actually, but it hit everything I was looking for. And it's called The Trouble with Malcolm Gladwell. It's by Christopher Shabri in Slate Magazine. I I recommend the article because it really does give a critical look at Gladwell. I actually found it on a Reddit page. If you type in Malcolm Gladwell, there is a very interesting Reddit page where people just give their different opinions. So you can see the polarizing nature of his work. And I do think there is something different from Gladwell or between Gladwell and someone like, say, Chuck Klosterman. An author like Klosterman isn't trying to speak with the authority that Gladwell is, is, is in general. He's not making really strong claims. And I think that's the problem. So I mentioned this on the podcast, but I started by listening to a Gladwell Bill Simmons podcast last week. And I was thinking, gosh, I'm not agreeing with anything these guys are saying. And there just seems to be a little bit of maybe arrogance in the perspective. I think maybe they should tone it down a little bit because, you know, they make these really and oftentimes contrarian claims like, you know, this is what you should be doing when it comes to kids and sports. This is what you should be doing when it comes to, I don't know, you name the subject. And you kind of listen and you you chuckle a little bit thinking, these are some really strong claims about what people should be doing or how we should like turn over society in order to change the world based off of this one perspective you have. So to me, there is a lack of humility there. And that's one of my critiques of Gladwell. Again, the pros of Gladwell, you start to think critically about subjects. The cons, exaggeration, lack of humility. And I'll be discussing that in depth on this class episode. That's class X episode. I, um, I appreciate all the new overcast listeners. Thanks for subscribing. If you are new or if you are old, please share it with a friend. Uh, as you could see from the last few weeks, we cover all sorts of topics in the arts and in sports. I just, I try to talk about what I'm engaged in at that time, what I'm interested in at that moment. And hopefully you find it interesting as well. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I'll see you after the music.
Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. So today's podcast is actually going to be inspired by uh, a podcast I heard a few days ago with Bill Simmons and Malcolm Gladwell. So I, I really like both sometimes, and sometimes I dislike what I'm hearing from both. Both writers, they've both kind of shifted to a podcast format to express their opinions, which I think is the thing, right? A lot of people are doing that nowadays. The shift to, to podcast is kind of complete. You know, we used to have blogs, not as much anymore because that's not a medium a- anymore. So Gladwell and Simmons, it was an interesting conversation. And the thing was, I was engaged, but as I often am with Gladwell and with Bill Simmons, I found myself disagreeing with a lot of the opinions. So my engagement was not ideal if you're a typical writer, you know, who who wants who wants to engage the audience, you don't want the, the audience to be sort of like, yeah, what is this? You know, what what are they what are they saying right now? So that was kind of a little bit of my perspective, but I want to get into this in a more nuanced way. You know, I I wanna really talk about my ambivalence with Gladwell and why I feel that way, because I do think it's it's significant. And I do know that it reflects how a certain audience is viewing Gladwell. So I want to look at, is he a valid, is he a valid source? Should we trust his opinion? And again, I'm in, I'm in the ambivalent phase of my engagement with Gladwell. So I'm in that camp. I'm not going to be pro against, I'm trying to give a, a nuanced view. And, um, you know, sometimes it depends like when, with his podcast of revisionist history, occasionally I'm like, that's great. That was a great podcast. And then other episodes, I'm more in the, I don't really like what, what's being said camp. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really just a subjective thing. And I will say this though, about Gladwell, I know he is a powerhouse in the field of ideas. There's no doubt about that. And that's why I wanted to do a podcast about him. I've wanted to do one for actually for a long time, over a year. Uh, I've always wondered, should I do it on one of the articles? There's this article that he has, which is one of my favorites about teaching and quarterbacking and how he does this comparison between why it's so hard to find a good teacher and why it's so hard to find a good quarterback in the NFL. And I just love that article. I could totally identify with it. So I might eventually do that article because I, I do like his ideas and his the, the spirit that he brings to his writing. So I admire the work, but I just want to reflect on the utility of his work in a general sense and how we should be using it. Because uh, I think that's a really important question. I also want to examine what's bothering me personally and others and many other people really about his work. And so for that, I found an article titled The Trouble with Malcolm Gladwell, and it's by Christopher Chabri. It's in Slate Magazine. Now, what's interesting is this is from 2013. This is 10 years ago, but that did not affect anything. I was completely validated, and this article expressed so much of how I was feeling and what I was disagreeing with. So I really appreciate Chabri's work. The article focused a lot on Gladwell's style, and how he, and here's a quote from the article, how he and others conceive of what he is doing. And that's a big, big theme in this article. The cons- the con- how people are conceiving the perception 
of Gladwell's work. And that's where you, you really have to start because if one side is viewing it as entertainment and another side is viewing it as science and maybe another side is viewing it as, as fraudulent, then, you know, we're kind of living in three different worlds, right? And so perception is key here. And the fact is, as I just stated, some love them, some dislike them. And so, you know, wh where should we be at or where should you be at? Because I think it's, like I said, it's very subjective. And the author explains that there is a, a group, a strong group. And I think I'm in this camp, honestly, who read Gladwell for entertainment purposes. They don't really take him too seriously, in other words. And I wonder what you think of that if you have engaged with Gladwell. How seriously have you taken him? Are you in that camp? Because it's a big question. Because if you're taking him seriously, there are a lot of flaws in his work. And I think everyone should know about that. Because Shabri, the author of the article that's critical of Gladwell, he says that Gladwell takes himself seriously. Businesses take Gladwell seriously. And because of that, we should understand that he is a force and we should sort of respond to him based on his scientific and social science claims, which he makes a lot of. And that's the thing. And I think that's the thing that I reacted to initially was when you listen to his tone, it's very much like someone from a place of authority. And if you're going to take on that, I mean, I'm coming from this place of authority because of my research or my position, then you have to be ready for people to really pick apart your work. And I think that's an important point to make. So here's where I stand. At I'll just kind of throw this out at first. I think, and I know from personal experience that, you know, Gladwell, like I said, he's a force to be reckoned with. He really is. He's super talented. He's an amazing writer. I mean, I mean, any anyone could appreciate his writing style, just the, just from a stylistic standpoint. And at his best, he's a critical thinker at his best. However, and I think this is a big however, when his work veers off, which it can often do, and enters that realm of hyperbole, when it lacks nuance, I think we should call it out. You know, I think that's, I think that's the problem is that there is a lot of, there is a hyperbolic nature to the work. Here's a quote from the article, another quote. It says, Gladwell's books are clearly clearly meant to describe lawful, and that's a key word here, lawful regularities about the way human mental life and the human social world work. In other words, the author of the that's criticizing Gladwell is saying, this is a writer who's attempting to be scientific. He's bringing up laws in general. And this is where we, we, we run, run into a problem because like one of my favorite writers, Chuck Klosterman, who most people who read Gladwell probably also read Klosterman's work and his writings, or even take Bill Simmons. He's also in that club. If you listen to if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, he brings on Gladwell and, and Klosterman. Klosterman more often than Gladwell. But you know, it's like that same bubble, probably because they have the same audience. Well, there's a very different approach from someone like a Klosterman. With Gladwell, there are these strong, very strong scientific claims with a strong tone of authority and it's consistent 
These are constantly made by Gladwell. The article mentions Gladwell's use of the word law. He uses it to make his arguments sound more scientific. So you can't say, you know, and I think this is an important point. You can't say that, you know, according to the article, Gladwell is purely entertainment, even though that's my tendency because I am entertained by him. You know, I remember the first time I listened to Gladwell uh, driving and I was listening to, I think it was Outliers and it was so entertaining, so engaging, but you can't just say it's purely that because it's not, he's not, he's not claiming that it is and it's not being used purely for those reasons. So I totally agree with, uh, with that point. To me, Gladwell makes, he makes many claims that he treats as a certainty, but they're really not. They just aren't. And here's an example. And this is where I think he veers off. Does a lot of things with correlation. And you know, in psychology, I always tell, tell my students because there's a big unit on it. Correlation does not equal causation. And I'm sure most of you have heard correlation doesn't equal causation. I just taught this to my students. So Gladwell, he's constantly exaggerating the, the relationships that are just a correlation. You know, he sees those correlations as the cause of various events, whatever he's writing about. Take it to another subject, history. When we approach a subject in history, we do it ideally, hopefully, we do it with humility by discussing, for example, like the, the, the American Revolution, the multiple causes of that event. You don't get this in Gladwell, Gladwell's work. You don't get the multiple causes. You get, here's the cause. This is why it's important. Here's the law that I'm coming up with. You know, that's the, that, that there's, a, there's a lack of humility in his work. It's just how it is. Bottom line, he should probably stop claiming certainty and science in his work. And I see that as the key to probably fixing those annoying feelings that I, I felt when I was listening to the Simmons podcast. It's just when I hear that level of certainty, I'm like, who are you and where did you get this confidence from? That doesn't make any sense. And I don't say it out of a place of negativity. It's more of a annoyance because I realize that there's um, selling going on. There's a salesmanship, which I don't even have in my notes, but just as I'm talking about it, that's where, you know, we get the TED Talk Gladwell, just the TED Talk culture we're in. And hey, I like a good TED Talk, just like you probably do. But a lot of TED Talks, do veer off into that kind of, I'm just trying to sell you on my gimmick, on my product. And once we get into the salesmanship of it all, mm, not a big fan of it in general. So it's why, why, by the way, I should say this, why? Because it's the opposite of critical thinking. It's actually a positive quality to be humble. And you know, that's not, that's lacking. Humility just doesn't sell, so people aren't going to do it. And that's why you don't hear it probably in Gladwell. Readers do want certainty, right? Readers want to feel like experts when they open up a Gladwell book. And honestly, I, I know this because I was that way. That was me. It's interesting. When I was in my 20s, I loved Gladwell because it gave me a sense of certainty about the world. It gave me a wisdom in quotes right now. So Gladwell was my guy. I talk about Gladwell's arguments with friends, with family, with students. I was so immersed in that style. I just thought it was so, so amazing. Thought it was enlightening. Now that I'm 40, 
So fast forward probably 15 years since I first started reading Gladwell, and I, I'm not into that anymore. I want I don't want certainty as much as I want nuance. I also don't associate truth with correlation the way Gladwell does. So does that mean I would stop reading Gladwell? No. I mean, I think you should read him. I think he's legitimate to read. But here's where I disagree with, with, the, and with the article. Gladwell is, and this, is, this may have been stated in the article or in something else I read, but he is, and this is my feeling too, he is a starting point in a lot of ways. He's a genius in getting you to think. I've always thought of him that way. Like he really, you listen to his books or you read it, you pause, you reflect. And whether that's, you know, his podcast, Revisionist History, or his books, I'm absolutely engaged with his ideas. And that says a lot. A lot of, a lot of people who write history or sociology or psychology, it's boring. And so Gladwell is just bringing in something interesting. So I, I'm, I'd say more power to him for that. I just don't find a problem with that style or, or that characteristic of his style, just the engaging part. Gladwell's fun. Now, is it the truth? Is he equivalent to a history book by a historian? No. Is it, he's not an academic. And the problem is he claims, and he does this often, he claims to represent uh, academics. He claims to be a popularizer of what's in the academic world. So that's how he looks at himself. He looks at himself as someone who's taking the academic literature, the academic studies, and he is simplifying it for the masses. So when he's doing it incorrectly, that's a problem, right? Because he's claiming that he's not. He's claiming that he's doing it in a truthful way. But the bottom line is, if you're a reader, you need to tread carefully with his work. But I think you can still enjoy the art of, the art and the act of thinking. And that's kind of where I want to leave this because I do want to, you know, I think we can do this with a lot of writers. I, I'm, like I said before on this podcast, I like Howard Zinn. I like... Um, Noam Chomsky, I, I, I've enjoyed Chuck Klosterman. I mentioned Bill Simmons on this podcast. There are so many writers, really, who are popularizers. Clay Jenkinson, I, I enjoyed his work on the Thomas Jefferson Hour. But you don't have to agree with everything they say. You could just kind of look at them as giving you thought experiments or ways of philosophizing about different things. And that's a, it's a, it's a nice way to approach different subjects. You don't have to think of themselves, these, these authors, these writers, oftentimes professors, you don't have to think of them as the only expert in the world, you know? So everything, when it comes to Gladwell, I would say everything doesn't have to be like a scientific article, but we should be skeptical when that author, in this case Gladwell, has a tendency to exaggerate ideas, because in truth, it does come down to us. It comes down to our needs. So it's kind of like my 25-year-old self needing to know things. We like that certainty, right? I did. I like the feeling of expertise. But that can be dangerous too. Better to be humble and you know, just stick with what you actually know and be wary of the laws of certainty that people like Gladwell may be overstating. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Classics Podcast. I really appreciate it. I'll see you hopefully on Saturday. John and I can record if we have time. If not, I'll see you in about a week on the Classics Podcast. Please share it with a friend. And thanks to all the new Overcast listeners. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.